0: If someone is bad at their job and they don't know, then that's where management comes in. If that person's manager has not said, hey, you're not nailing this. Let's figure out how to either get you to nail it or maybe this isn't the right position. That's a management thing. And that should always be done before you decide. Always should be done before you make a decision to fire someone.
1: You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Coke, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. What's up, home slice?
0: <laughs> Hello. I was, greeting.
1: A, I was trying to think of a good greeting. We have similar mugs today. Oh my God. How... We're not even that similar. This is the funniest thing. There could be two more
0: more opposite people. I know. Yet we're always wearing the same color. We are always have the same cups.
1: That is so weird. So weird. We're
0: more alike than the world thinks we are. I mean, there's truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that.
1: We're all just mirrors of each other. Exactly. Except you have better skin. We're space dust now. Sometimes. What are you um, doing with your hair when you
0: go get it done? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to get some toner in it to tame up the little grids that are starting to come yeah. through. And then it just needs a shape up. And I wanted to time it going out of town for my husband's work holiday party dinner. Oh, that's what that is? Yes. That's why we're going to L.A. So mm-hmm. I, I wanted to get my hair shaped up because I haven't seen anyone from his work since pre-pandemic except a CEO. Because one time we went when we were visiting, we had. Lunch with her. So I'm like, wow, I got to get all fresh for them.
1: That's a long time. That's a really long time. Your hair's so long, too. I know. All right. They probably want, who knows if listeners want to listen to the chit chat. It's so interesting. Okay. This week at PP, People Principles is our business day. What are some good things to pass along to the listeners for them to learn about? I can think of a couple things.
0: One, a little bit more serious and or triggering as it involves
1: layoffs. Do you want to end there or start there? We're going to talk about that and then also like a hiring thing. So it's like very pendulum-y.
0: Let's start dark and deep and then let's
1: go to it's not that dark. Okay, I'll set it up. Let's do that. So somebody we know. Actually, I do have a story about a conversation I've been having with some people who are visiting, which I can add in. But oftentimes when you are thinking about laying people off, you know ahead of time, right? Hopefully, if you're managing your business, you have a pulse on what's going on and you know that it might be something that has to happen or maybe you're trying to figure out a backup situation before you end up laying off a team. And sometimes if you're a small business, sometimes a whole team is like one person. Yeah. And so you have to have a backup plan for it. In this case, there was a plan to lay somebody off for quite some time. And as they were getting closer to that moment, some performance things were coming to light that the person was not performing. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, there was a question of, should we consider this person laid off or should we terminate them for performance?
0: Yes. And the layoff was coming. Layoff didn't have anything to do with performance, just to make that very clear, initially, like when they were planning for it. It it was financial-based, that was it. And then there were performance issues when the time came, which one could argue that sometimes people can sense those things in the jobs that they're in. And there could have been some correlation between that. Like the person may have already started looking for a job and started checking out because they could sense something wasn't right. That can not wasn't the case in this particular case.
1: Who knows if it's already coming off of a time where they've already been downsizing the company, people are, are having to absorb the work. So the people who are left also are dealing with extra work oftentimes because of that and trying to navigate that can be challenging. It can be very challenging. So in this instance, these performance issues
0: were coming up around the time that the layoff was going to happen. So the question was asked, Can we just lay this person off for performance rather than it being because of the initial reason? Or fire for performance.
1: Or fire for performance rather than lay off was the question. And the answer is? It goes back to like, had you had the conversation ahead of time, does the person know mm -hmm. that they're underperforming? And I guess we haven't talked about this yet really together, but isn't there a world where someone just might be bad at their job but think they're good? (laughs)
0: And they don't know. A hundred percent. And if someone is bad at their job and they don't know, then that's where management comes in. If that person's a manager has not said, hey, you're not nailing this. Let's figure out how to either get you to nail it or maybe this isn't the right position. That's a management thing.
1: And that should always be done before you decide. Always should be done before you make a decision to fire someone. And a lot of times pride comes up especially if you're a small business owner and you're the CEO. like Your business is your baby. Oftentimes, you want to be right. You want to make sure that the person knows that you know that they were phoning at home or whatever. We don't even know this to be true, but let's assume it is, right? You as a business owner, you just have this sense of like, you're pissed off about it. And so you want to like dig the knife in a little bit to be like, I know. And there's usually never any benefit to that at all. But it's a natural thing for a human to do. Exactly. Yep.
0: A hundred percent natural. And if you think about it from the perspective of you as a leader of the organization, if your choice is to dig the knife in and be like, hey, I know, then the person that you're doing that to, their natural reaction is not going to be beneficial, productive, it's not going to be good because they're also a human and they also have pride mm-hmm. and it could hurt their feelings. It could make them angry. It could make them lash out. You have to think about how the other person's going to react and right. feel when you make that choice.
1: The benefit of terminating someone for performance versus laying off, the only potential benefit to your organization is that they're not eligible for unemployment. And there's so many layers to this, in my opinion. If you hadn't given somebody a warning that they weren't performing and you couldn't clearly say that, Molly, I, I'm i terminating you for performance and you knew it was a possibility that it was coming and you didn't improve, you shouldn't be eligible for unemployment, right? But- if I'm just like, there were mistakes and you didn't catch them. There's a difference between being very clear and they clearly know they're not performing versus you thinking they should have been good enough to catch it. They should have thought like you and were catching their own problem. Right. Which is never good. Which won't happen, right? I always default to assume positive intent in a situation like this. Let's just assume that this person thinks they're doing a really good job. Yeah. Even if they're not, let's assume that they think they are and that they're trying really hard and you've never actually told them that they're not. That's really a hard thing to hear. It's a hard thing to hear. People can only
0: do what they can with the information they have. And if they don't have the information that they're not doing well, it's not fair. It's not fair to them. Mm -mm. It's not fair to you because Mm -mm. then it's creating a bigger predicament than
1: anything needed to be in the first place. Yeah. It's hard. The only time I've ever seen somebody ineligible for unemployment because of being fired is like a major policy violation, like sexual harassment, discrimination, blatantly not showing up to work and like no call, no show. Like those are the only times I've ever seen somebody not eligible for unemployment. Have you?
0: No, that's the only time. And in fact, it was the first time I had to actually be the spokesperson for our company at an unemployment hearing.
1: Those are the worst.
0: So I was thrown into it without any idea what I was supposed to do. No one told me I was going to be the representative and they just called my phone and I was like, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, they just called my phone at my desk and they're like, this is judge so-and-so We're da, da da. Or this is the clerk for judge. So we're ready for this. And I, I literally just go, can you call me back in 10 minutes? And I hung up the phone and I looked at the person next to me and I went, what the hell is that? I had no idea this was even a thing. This was how early I was in my HR career. And they were like, oh, it's this, you need this and this. And I just ran, did it really fast. But it was, they had no call, no show. So they weren't going to be eligible for them.
1: One time I was working, it was in Wisconsin and we were a temporary staffing agency. So we staffed for a lot of hourly employees where operations, mm-hmm. production, plants and stuff like that. And one of the team, <laughs> one of the employees, this isn't funny. I don't know why I laugh because I'm a terrible person, but whatever. He was laid off. He had the first shift job, like Monday through Friday, first shift. And he was laid off because of lack of work. And we had a second shift job available that paid more. It was a second shift job and he declined it. So we protested his unemployment claim. Yeah. And I had to show up and all of this stuff. And the reason why he wouldn't take the second shift job, this is why I left, is because he was on a dart league on Thursday nights and he couldn't miss playing darts at the bar and he won unemployment because it was not suitable or comparable to what he had before. So like you firing someone without any warning for performance, if this guy could get unemployment because he declined a job to play darts, probably not going to win. Yes. Back to the
0: performance conversation of it. In my instance, warnings were given. This person knew you could hear it in the hearing that they were like, I know I just had to try, but he got denied unemployment. And that makes sense because those
1: are the like stop gaps that are set up. Let's also talk about how unemployment works. Actually, that might be interesting because I think that a lot of business owners don't know how it works, or even the clients that we work with, they get so angry that people fell for unemployment. Yeah. They'll be like, why is this person getting unemployment? And they get so pissed off. I think some of it's because you get these notices in the mail that say, your company is being charged. Like you'll get these crazy amounts in the mail. And it seems like you have to cut a check to the state for this or whatever. And that's not the case. So what happens is every time you do a payroll for all of your team members, you pay an unemployment tax. Some states, I think employees also pay an unemployment tax, I think, depending on the state. And that money is just reserved in the unemployment fund. Yeah. Yeah. An unemployment fund. And every state has different unemployment tax amounts. A lot of states have different brackets and percentages, and you get assigned a percentage based on how many people are claiming unemployment against your company. Yep. So theoretically, if somebody wins unemployment, you are penalized, but it really just goes against you getting taxed at a higher rate, which isn't even, it isn't terribly big. It's not terribly big. The jumps are not that high. You should be more worried about hiring the right people and training them and keeping them than if that person is getting unemployment or not. That should be the red flag, right? Exactly. The incentive is to hire the right people and and keep them and make
0: sure that the hires you're making are growing your business and your business is healthy
1: and growing. So then what happens is you get this, what looks like a bill in the mail, Mm -hmm. and it's basically just like telling you... Every state is different, but it's basically indicating either how much money you have left in your account or how much money you've contributed or how many taxable wages are going to go again. Like it's a little bit confusing, but the crux of it is like that money gets withdrawn from your account and paid to them. Not even your account. It's withdrawn from the UI fund. So you're not like cutting a check to this person. Like you're not technically paying somebody to be unemployed. You're not. As a business, you're already paying
0: into the unemployment fund at right. your specific percentage. And if you do lay off a bunch of people and you go up in a percentage, the percentage does not go up that much. It's very nominal amount.
1: At the beginning of the year, they'll do a look back or sometimes they'll do like quarterly look back.
0: Yeah, it's really not as scary as it sounds at all. Also, if there's someone listening who realized you haven't been paying into unemployment, do that. You have to set up unemployment accounts for your state, your tax accounts, and get all that set up.
1: That's a good segue. So the best way to avoid your unemployment tax rate going up is to make good hires, which is the other part of our conversation today. Yeah, it is. We talk a lot about this. It's, It's a big part of our job. We have a situation with a client, well, multiple clients that we're helping fill jobs on. We're working on five jobs right now. And clients always want to, so do I, like candidly, like I would love it if we work with them to set up their hiring plan ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So like Molly and I always do two interviews. We map out what we ask. Mm -hmm. Then we always submit them to the client. And then the client typically does between two to three interviews on their end before they make a decision. And it is a dream scenario if you can be like, okay, Molly, you and I are going to do all of our phone streams this week. We're going to narrow it down to the top candidates so that we can do all of our second screens next week and then the client so that all of the candidates like move in. Yeah, basically they move in groups. I do five,
0: client interviews three. It comes down to two and one person gets the offer. It's a dream scenario if that can happen all at the same time. Everyone's coming together in a group. And I will say early on in my recruiting career, I do feel like it was easier to do that. And I don't know if it was the time in the world or I was also recruiting for a much larger
1: organization. I think lower level jobs, it's a little bit easier, maybe like customer service where there's a high volume of people, like shift workers is usually a little bit easier for that. Yes, for sure. I will say it has become
0: nearly impossible to do. You can't do it. You can't rely on it as being an option really anymore.
1: So I'm a little worried because I have a really great candidate for a job, like perfect Mm -hmm. fit to be quite frank. And the client wants to interview a couple people before they make a decision. And I'm super worried that this candidate specifically, she sent me a note today saying that she is in final stages and accepting an offer for another company by the end of the week. But our job that we're helping fill is like her dream job. And I'm afraid that we're going to lose her because the client will not have had time to interview three people. And so often we see that where like they miss out on their best candidate because they're waiting to interview other people. And in some ways I can relate. You're ingrained to think that the more people you talk to, the better decision you're going to make. Yep. And that's not true necessarily. It might be true if you're like really new to hiring.
0: I think when you're new to interviewing, and I actually sometimes will keep this in mind if I know someone is new to interviewing, I'm going to send them a few extra people that maybe I wouldn't have passed on. Yeah. But I want them to talk to a few people. I want them to get comfortable interviewing for the role and talking to people and making those decisions for themselves as a hiring manager and interviewer. So I've definitely done that before.
1: Maybe we would sending a couple really bad candidates.
0: <laughs> I mean, I know people that do that as like a strategy. Oh my God, I would never do that. No, I wouldn't either. Because psychologically, I want this person to look better and this is the person. And I know we're not going to find better than this. Recruiters do that. They definitely
1: got to do that all they, the time. They absolutely do. I've watched people do it.
0: Oh. But I do think keeping the pool a little bit wider initially when someone's a new interviewer is a good thing because it gets them using those muscles. And sometimes, especially when you don't have a lot of experience interviewing, you're going to surprise yourself with what you're actually reacting to when you're talking to the candidate. And then you may be like, you know what? I thought X was really important. But when I was talking to this person, I realized that is something that's
1: really more important. That's great. It's a good reminder that you've got to know what you're looking for to know if it's good, not just say, I want to talk to three people to decide who I like better. In today's time, it's very competitive. Here's what's interesting, Molly. I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm going to in this particular situation. It's super competitive, but also it's really hard to find a job. If you get an offer, you're probably taking it because you're afraid another one won't come. You'll take one you don't love because you just need a job. You'll take the first one that comes.
0: A hundred percent. And I have multiple times had a hiring manager or a leader say, well, they just don't want to work here as badly. If they're willing to take that other offer and they can't wait for us, then they don't want to work here. Sorry, that's not true. Big old
1: eye roll for me.
0: It's a big old eye roll. It's These are humans who need a job. This, this is one of the biggest decisions and most important things we do. We spend so much of our time working. You need a job.
1: People need right. jobs. And so if there's an offer, they're going to take it. So here's what I'm doing in this situation and how I'm going to do the best to manage it. I'm not going to try to convince them to only meet with one person and make a hire. Like that's not my MO. I am going to push them to get clear on what they really want and compare Mm -hmm. her to the ideal candidate. Yep. So that they remember that. And I know that for this particular candidate, our opportunity is like her dream. Yeah. So what I'm going to try to do and what I did actually before we hopped on this call was I like sent her forward and I was like, look, guys, she's ideal. If we want a chance at this, like we got to get through two interviews probably by the end of this week, because Mm -hmm. then hopefully what will have happened is she'll have met with more of their team and hopefully fallen more in love with who she would work with and the job that she'd be more willing to try to buy more time on making a decision. Because candidates can do that. They can be like, you know what? I'm finishing up this interview process with another company. I'm not gonna be able to have a decision. Let's say she gets an offer tomorrow. I need a week to consider this in order to Mm -hmm. fully vet things out. And because of the labor market being the way it is, most people who are reasonable are gonna be like, totally fine, do it. And so hopefully then by that time, will have sold her so much on the job that she's willing to push it a little bit. And maybe not, but that's like the only play that we have is to try to do that. Yeah, you have to try. I wouldn't say like, oh, just because we know we're not gonna get through the whole process, she's ruled out. A lot of people will do that though. They'll be like, oh, we're not gonna get through the process so let's just move on. And I think that's also a bad move. I agree. Time is really important. And if you can
0: buy yourself a little bit of time, you gotta do it and do what you can. Because yes, I would never force someone to try and make a decision only talking to one person, especially if they've said, I want to talk to multiple people. Never do that. No. And I will say this, if a candidate does want to buy some time on an offer and that company is like, no, that's a red flag of that company. And I
1: would probably tell her that as a recruiter to try to sway decision-making, but we shall see. I have no idea how it'll play out, but- Something that we thought was important to share with you.
0: Yeah. We got anything else? I don't think so. I think just back from our earlier conversation, just to sum it up in a sentence, if you want to have performance conversation, have the conversation.
1: If you're having a performance issue with someone, just have the damn conversation. It's the kind thing to do. And if you were already planning on laying someone off,
0: then just lay them off. I just wanted to button it up in a sentence real quick. Done. Mic
1: drop. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Chat with you next week. Bye, Molls. Bye. Well, that's a wrap on another episode of Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now. Because guess what? You're the boss now. You listen to the show because you care about doing the people stuff right in your business. And I commend you for that. At my company, People Principles, our mission is to help more small businesses succeed And we believe that building a thriving, high-performing team with the right systems in place is crucial to making that happen. That's why we've got our incredible toolkit shop. It's your one-stop destination for everything HR and team-related. Each toolkit is loaded with everything we've ever done in-house with high-growth startups, from hiring processes to performance management to handbooks. It's all there. And we've built these toolkits specifically with you in mind, the small business owner, because what you need at 10 to 30 people is very different from what you need over 100 people. So don't wait and head over to peopleprinciples.co forward slash toolkits and explore our complete people operations toolkits. It's like having an HR expert in your back pocket, walking you through the journey to building a thriving team and a thriving business.